Welcome to episode 63 of Third Heaven Authority Podcast. I'm Mike Thompson. This week I have something very important that I want to share with you, something that is not only applicable to your life, but to the whole of the body of Christ and to what God is doing in America this year. I call to each and every prayer warrior, those of you that have been following me and have been studying Third Heaven Authority and how to operate in that position from heaven in conquering all of the strategies of the enemy. I released this word last Sunday, a warning that Satan has laid a trap. I'm going to play an excerpt from that sermon. So please listen closely, hear with your spiritual ears, tap into the anointing, and rise up with me in third heaven authority. There is a prophetic message that I have for you today, and it will be during the entire course of my sermon laid out uh, about something that's happening in America. He told me to give a warning that a trap has been laid, and I want to explain that trap to you, and I want to show you how to escape that trap. Because there are so many good things that God has planned for us this year. It's already set up in the Spirit. Victory is ours. But there's only one way that the enemy, there's only one way that Jezebel can stop the lion's army from being totally successful in everything that God has called it to do this year, including these midterm elections. And I'm going to explain that in one minute. Would you please open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to take you through a few scriptures today. I wish for you to read them. They're very apropos, timely. CK and I have been praying very much in the spirit and picking up on Something that has been building for, I think, a few weeks. But in my opinion, in the spiritual realm, my sensing of things has really been coming to a head over the last week or so. It's something that the enemy wants to use to stop the lion's army. He's been perfecting his craft for thousands of years. He knows humanity. He knows the body of Christ. One of the things that he knows is that they will absolutely trounce him. I mean the spirit of God and the righteousness of the Holy One living on the inside of us has, as Jesus described, all authority over the power of the enemy. We have the ability to cast out demons, speak with new tongues, lay hands on the sick and see them healed. We have the ability to rebuke and cast out demonic entities. We have the ability, through the name of Jesus Christ, to bind every work of the enemy, to loose every work of the kingdom of heaven. We have that within us as the ecclesia, the adjudicators of heaven itself on the face of the earth. He knows. It's just like that Gadarean demoniac. You know that guy that lived in, Gad in the, the region of Gadara? 
and he had a legion of demons on the inside of him. And when Jesus came on his boat to the shoreline and began to walk onto the land, that demonized man looked at him and he said, what have you to do with us? He knew, the devil knew. Even though there were at least a thousand, actually, even though it just says legion, we know there were enough that when Jesus cast those demons out of the man, that it entered 2,000 swine. So there were a lot of them in there. And in order for legion to be in charge in the demonic hellish governmentation and lines of authority, they couldn't stop Jesus. He knew it. He knew that his days were numbered. I'm talking about legion in the man. And I'm telling you that legion in the land today knows that its days are numbered. And that the body of Christ has risen to a place as the lion's army, as third heaven authority warriors, where in my estimation, numerically has become the greatest remnant of powerful, authority-filled believers on the face of the earth that probably ever has been. The Lord has been building our ranks. The Lord has been training us for decades. It's been 12 years since the Lord first spoke to me and the first time he took me to third heaven. And he gave me the assignment to teach on third heaven authority. And he said at that moment, I realized that the enemy has already been in the earth. We've had warfare all along. The war between light and darkness has existed. But he said... That from this day forward, he said, there's going to be a change and that veil between the spiritual and the natural realms will seem to grow thinner. And people will be having more spiritual encounters. I'm talking about revelations, visions, dreams, gifts of the spirit, miraculous, seeing things, knowing things. And he said, because of that, he said, it's also universal. That's going to be happening also on the dark side. When it comes to mysticism and Satanism, the occult, New Ageism, all of those things. It's going to be increasing, and it has. But he said, it's going to be happening in the body of Christ. And he said, I need you to teach. He said, there are others but I need you to teach on third heaven authority because there needs to be credibility in the prophetic movement. There needs to be people there who have established mature ministries to train the people and show them how to do it so they do not become misled, deceived by any kind of spiritual encounter. Teach them how. And I've done my best over the years to do that. We are in a time right now, the Lord knew this was all coming. When he is calling upon the body of Christ to stand in the Lord in the power of his might. Be strong 
And we've done that. We have done that. I'm so proud of all of you prayer warriors. You have gone to battle. You have prayed. You have stood. The enemy knows that we're carrying him a new one. But he has one trick in his bag that he knows has been successful at times. And he's trying it again. My warning to you is that right at this moment, we're in August, and going up through November, there is a very strong emphasis of demonic spirits at using this weapon against the body of Christ. The weapon that I've been dancing around is strife. I'm going to tell you right now, I have felt strife in the spirit very strongly over the last month. I've felt it. I know that it's coming against the enemy. Or it's coming. Oh, I just saw some of the spirit it flashed right in front of me. I saw a burning fire against chaff. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, get rid of the chaff, because the chaff is strife. And the strife and the division will silence the authoritative command. I see in the spirit right now, distraction, distraction and confusion. These things cause distraction. They cause confusion. And if you yield to them, if you get pulled into the mud, then it gets your eyes off of what God is doing. If I look a little weird right now, I am. I see it. I'm having an open vision right in front of me. When Peter walked on the water, it's when he was distracted and confused. We call it fear, and we call it doubt. But when he was distracted because of the waves, that's when he began to sink. And the Lord says, do not be distracted. Do not allow confusion. Stay focused. And you will win. Together, we shall take this thing to the ultimate and we'll, chronish, we'll finish and cross the finish line together. Have you found Second Timothy 2? <laughs> oh, man. Verse 23. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they gender strife, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. He's not saying you have to be weak. He doesn't want us to be passive. And he doesn't want us to be ungodly, aggressive. 
He wants us to be assertive people in the Spirit, knowing who we are. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle in all, able to teach and patient. I've used this analogy over the years. Uh, I think it will suffice to give a little bit of information what I mean. Uh, I had a good friend who's still currently in the ministry. I just haven't had connection with him for uh, probably about 30 or 40 years. But we started in the ministry together. And uh, this man, if you knew him, he was the most loving guy, gentle. Even his presence was unassuming. I mean, he knew Jesus, and he walked in faith and authority. But you wouldn't know that he had three black belts. He had three black belts in three different martial arts. And he could snap your neck before you said boo. But that was not his identity. His identity was that he was a nice guy. And he knew how to handle himself if necessary, so he didn't have to, with pride, arrogance, or anything else, show off. That assertiveness is what we are called to in the body of Christ, in the spirit, and we know who we are. Oh, uh, don't misunderstand me. I am not above reading the devil the riot act, if I have to. But I understand that my authority is based in who I am, not in how loud I get. It's based in who Jesus has created me to be, not any specific function or behavior that I attempt to drum up so that somehow either the angels or the demons will listen to me. They listen to me when I'm quiet. They listen to me when I'm loud. Why? Because of the authority. But let's keep reading. Verse 25. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Here it is. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. They would escape the snare of the devil. You know, in Psalm 91, verse 3, it says, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. <clears throat> we are delivered from the snare of the fowler. Well, I tell you what, the Spirit of the Lord hit me so strongly right here. Spirit of prophecy. I feel the importance of this so dynamically. I'm going to say it yet again. Recently, the devil has laid, he has sprung a trap against the body of Christ, the Lion's Army in America, to try to weaken and disempower it so that the purposes of God through the body of Christ will not be fulfilled this year, including the complete winning of 
the midterm elections in November. It is up to us to heed that warning. It is up to us to resist the strife. The devil has laid out a plan to stop people. Get them arguing. Get them disagreeing. Cause division. In the spiritual realm, I have felt the intensity. You know, sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you, I have to let it fly when I'm up here. Just obey the Spirit and speak it. Sometimes, no matter how spiritual you are, please please understand my heart at this, is that I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at people who are like cows looking at a new gate. They're like, what does this mean? What do you mean? I've seen it. I've been there. I've been in the Spirit. Over the last week, praying, Binding, loosing, praying for America, praying for you, praying for people's eyes to be opened. Because there's too much strife and division. The Lord told CK in about 2008, I believe it was, he said that there is a spirit of murmuring that has come into the body of Christ and it is causing strife. And people are feeling that it's okay to hate. And she said, the Lord told her that the murmuring causes you to turn on each other. We read the Old Testament scriptures where those people would oftentimes, such as when they were in the wilderness on their way, you know, they were delivered from Israel I'm sorry, from Egypt, delivered from Egypt and going into the promised land. And the murmuring when things got tough. And sometimes we read that and we go, we would never do that. I mean, I'm so thankful to God for what he has done for me. We would never murmur against God, thinking that murmuring is in some sense like just, oh, shucks. You know, just, just a little bit of a gripe. and I wish things were better. But you see, the deception is that the murmuring, once you start, drives into your heart. And it begins to take over your attitude and your perceptions. And when the spirit of murmuring is there, it's not just about God and not just about your circumstances. It then festers and it causes you to begin to turn on one another. Because the dissatisfaction, the sense of hopelessness or dismay, then rises up and it begins to turn on other people. And there's a trick that the enemy has where he causes spouses, families, churches, ministries to begin 
to judge and criticize. And whatever pain they're experiencing, what murmuring does is it takes that pain and it puts a shell around it so that God can't heal it. And then it lifts up and it launches against other people. And it begins to objectify them as the source of the pain. When you objectify others as the source of causing you pain or being the problem, then you're taken captive by Satan's will and begin to do his bidding. I've seen that happen. Ministries. Ministries in America that are turning against one another. Judging one another. Psalm 105 verse 15 says, Do not touch my anointed and do my prophets no harm. In New Testament vernacular, we are all the anointed of God. But in Old Testament, the ones who were the anointed, in other words, the oil that was poured upon them, were the leaders. The prophet, the priest, and the king. The king in charge of civil affairs, anointed by God. The priest in charge of worship, anointed by God. The prophet, anointed as the mouthpiece for the land. They were the leaders. And when God said, do not touch my anointed ones, yes, he meant all of his people in the sense he loved all of his people, but that's not what the scripture was talking about. The scripture was saying, don't turn against the leaders and those that are anointed by God to be placed in that position to guard your souls, watch over your souls, and to lead the body of Christ. And he said, do my prophets no harm. The prophets are the ones who are attacked first and the most violently. Always has been throughout history. I can stand up here and tell you that I'm a nice, loving pastor. And everybody would go, oh, joy, I like him. Well, maybe not everybody. But you get where I'm going. But when I say, I'm a prophet of God, that's like saying, sick him to a dog. Prophets do not turn against each other. I declare that in the name of the Lord. Body of Christ, do not turn against each other or against the spiritual leaders or the prophets that God has raised up. Look at 1 Corinthians 3 with me. Chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 3. Fault finder is what the Lord spoke to C.K. The spirit of murmuring lends itself to fault finder. Those are demonic spirits. Murmuring is a spirit. 
Fault finding is a spirit. Why? Because they come from murmur and fault finder. It's kind of like there in Matthew, you know, when Jesus was speaking to the people. And he said, you can't serve God or mammon. And so a lot of times we have a tendency to try to water that down and think that he said you can't serve both God and money. Not at all what he said. Yes, mammon is a word that represents money. And money is involved. But mammon was the name of an idol that the surrounding countries around Israel worshipped. Mammon was a spirit in the idol. Paul told, uh, was it the Corinthians? Anyhow, he said that when you sacrifice to idols, you're sacrificing to demons. Because demons are the influences behind the idols. Even if the idol is something made out of wood or stone or gold, and it's sitting there physically in front of you, the enticement, the spiritual aspect of its work in bringing you into captivity is a demonic spirit. Mammon is not money. Mammon is a demonic spirit. And so is murmuring and fault finder. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3. Let's go back to verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Strife is a work of the flesh inspired by demonic spirits that appeals to your carnality and it appeals to the very base structure of who you are as a human being without enlightenment and leadership and presence and anointing of the Spirit of God within. Go with me to Galatians. Chapter 5. Verse 16. I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, see idolatry even, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just 
as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I got to qualify this. When you read Paul's similar, there are three major texts in his writings that deal with the same thing. And every single one of them make it very clear. This is who you were before you received Jesus. So now operate according to your inner man in Jesus and get rid of the stuff from your former life. When he said, shall not inherit the kingdom of God, he was not saying, if you're a Christian and you do one of these things, accidentally or on purpose, that you lose your salvation. That is not biblical doctrine. He's saying, people who are unborn again and operate in that whole environment shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the kingdom has been given to you. So because it's been given to you and you get to go to heaven, why do you still operate in these things the way you did before you received Jesus? And through that listing, how many of those did you see that ran parallel with Paul saying that you are still carnal because you have envy, strife, and divisions among you? He didn't say, I reject you. God's going to send you to hell. He's saying, you're still babies caught in this worldlyism. Grow up. Grow up and get out of strife. Boy, I'm preaching hard today. But notice... Let's back up. Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. What Paul does here is he goes into this analogy uh, where he is talking about how that you cannot control the flesh by the flesh. You can only control the flesh by the spirit. When you let the spirit take over, otherwise what happens is your flesh will turn upon itself and your flesh will turn upon those that are around you. There is an animalistic nature in the natural realm that unless we surrender it to Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit, that within our flesh we will begin to destroy one another. That's why he then said, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You can't do it by just trying to control your own flesh. You can only do it by allowing the Spirit of God to come within you. Rise up and control who you are. And when you find out who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, and all that He has given to you, and how that He has given all of the... Um, let's read this. Let's read this. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. 
There is nothing in the natural realm that is against these dynamics because these are the character of Christ. These are the things that the Spirit of God brings to you. And notice even the very last one says self-control. All of these are not just niceties that we inherit from Jesus, our Lord and Savior. They are empowerments for taking possession and control of our lives and walking in the Spirit. They are the things intrinsically internally that are within us that allow us to face every opposition, every circumstance, every situation in our lives and to look at that and say, I refuse to give you the power and the control over my life. He that is in me is greater than he who lives in the world. Jesus has given unto me the fruit of the Spirit. Like the Apostle Paul told the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I have learned the secret. The secret what? The secret that the true power and life of God is in you. That means the true control over your life is within you. And even when adverse circumstances rise up and try to slap you around, you do not become a victim because victimization is powerlessness. And as long as the Holy Spirit, who is the dunamis true power of God, exists and lives on the inside of us, and as long as the fruit of the Spirit is there, then we have the internal intrinsic power. We have the ability to face those situations. The intensity of that spirit of murmuring, fault finder, and strife. Probably in the world, but in America today. I wish that I could stand up here and give you all the good stuff. By the way, this is all good because it's deliverance. It's being um, uh, delivered from the snare of the fowler. Okay? But I wish that I could just tell you the nice stories and how wonderful it was. And I basked in the spiritual sunlight all week. I didn't. I did warfare all week. And I fought for you, and I fought for the body of Christ in America. Because I saw in the Spirit them like Paul was saying, But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I, I saw the personification of the strife and the violence against one another in the body of Christ. And I felt the displeasure of the Lord. Quit accusing each other. Stop the divisions. Walk in love. 